Today on Behind the Job Title Podcast, I speak to Emma Lineker. A business savvy executive with extensive experience in delivering innovative marketing and communication ideas to enhance efficiency, produce a profit and help people meet and exceed their goals. Skilled in utilising leading from the front management style for directing integrated communications, efforts, developing high-level relationships, an ideal leader to integrate brands across the media and tell stories to engage audiences and deliver great work. A true leader who is skilled in sharing knowledge of global communication, marketing, digital and social strategies and solutions through conferences, commissioned articles and blog posts. She has enhanced clients' knowledge of digital marketing strategies and the ROI impact that allowed many teams to sell and produce integrated creative solutions for critical customers, including Coca-Cola, Samsung, Mercedes, Hilton and British Airways. It was a pleasure speaking to Emma and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Emma Lineker, how are you today? I'm great, thank you, David. How are you? I'm absolutely fine. I'm happy speaking to you finally. It's been a while since yeah. we connected that I've managed to nag you so much that you would actually come on and I really appreciate it. Pleasure. So you're an award-winning savvy director, am I right by saying? Uh, I'd like to think so, yeah. <laughs> so before you became one, tell us how did you get started in your industry and what led you to take part in it? Uh, I got started by mistake, I think, like everyone does. Um, I was, uh, I graduated from Leeds University in English and Law in 96. Um, and I wasn't planning to go away traveling like everyone did uh, until the November. And I was taking up too much space in my parents' house, I think. And so my dad got me an internship through one of his contacts at British Nuclear Fuels um, at a small local boutique PR agency called Greenwood Thai in Cheshire. Um, and I started life as an account executive in PR, um, basically being general sort of dog's body for, for, for everybody. I worked on lots of different kinds of accounts, Northwest Water, Vimto, All Sports, um, some of the big brands actually up here in the Northwest that are still still here and thriving. Um, and I kind of learned what this uh, thing called public relations was, which, which back in the day was not really very well known at all as a field of, of professionalism or, or something that people really did as, as a career. You know, we were in the post-ab-fab era then, obviously. Um, and I loved it. I really, really loved it. Um, so after I came back from travelling, I applied for some jobs in Manchester. Manchester was quite a, a good marketing, digital and, and communications hub. It always has done. It's obviously incredibly uh, more sophisticated now. There's so much investments going into that, in, into that city um, with some really big players local born like the Hut group etc but back then um it still had a good agency ecosystem and i worked for brian beach who's a bit of used to be a bit of a legend um at communicate and the best advice he gave me was you obviously got a clear flair for this but if you're going to really cut your teeth you need to go to london it's where the media are it's where the big agencies are it's you know it's where you can really make a career out of it and uh, i got on a train not knowing what i didn't know at all if you are if, a bit fearless at the age of 21 <laughs> um, 
uh, and trundled down to London and got myself a job working for a consumer PR agency that was literally like walking into an ad fab, run by two ladies, Jane Lyon and Gillian Waddell, um, and, and loved it and met some really great friends there and uh, was in comms really for about 10 years, well, about five years before I noticed this small kind of uh, search engine company kept cropping up uh, in the media, but there was always no comment and then they didn't seem to really be participating in any of the, the huge amount of conversation that was going on around digital. And that small company happened to be Google. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, um, I was head of the digital um, division at a PR agency at the time. And I crafted a pitch for the lady that would then end up um, hiring me after 14 interviews later. A lady called Debbie Frost, who was the head of international market, uh, international communications for Google, um, and became my boss and mentor. Uh, and I was I worked for Google for about five and a half years, six years, um, pre and post IPO. Um, some of the glory days, one would like to think, where nobody knew who they were. They didn't know how they made money. Um, and I joined a team of 30 something people in a small office in Soho just off Soho Square and you know the rest is history as they say. <laughs> it was a, a really big job for a 26 year old to get at the time. I really didn't know what being in-house meant. I didn't really, had massive imposter syndrome most of the time I was there working with all these incredibly smart people um, and it was a hell of a ride. We built the business from 30 people to, I think it was 3,000 in London when, when we left. We'd opened the Manchester office. I'd opened another 17 offices in Europe with the company. It was a fantastic uh, experience, um, which I loved and I'm still draw on to this day because some of the, the, the models that Google applies, some of the teaching about um, how brands can kind of cascade cross, cross markets still resonate with, with me today and still applicable for when I, if I'm having a conversation with the founder of a startup or I'm having a conversation with a CMO or CEO of a, of a multi-billion dollar company, you know, know your customer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it all goes back to that. Um, so yeah, it's been a bit, bit of a journey, 47 this year. So I've been in work now for 25 years, my 25th uh, anniversary in September this year of being a professional marketing and communications person um, and it's been it's been wonderful I've lived I've lived in different parts of the world which has been really helpful for uh, upping my EQ um, certainly working in in the Middle East and then in Asia for over 10, 10 years and in total really gets it helps you give uh, get a sort of worldwide perspective here in the West, we can be a bit, bit, bit blinkered about what's going on in the rest of the world. And certainly when I was in Asia, I, I saw the world from a very different point of view. Um, and I learned a lot about how how we're perceived and different ways of working and, and business practices, which, again, you know, I've, I've brought into to what I'm doing on a day to day basis still today. Excellent. And I must admit, Absolutely Fabulous was a great TV show indeed. I uh, really was a fan of it. And yeah. when you, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it was a wonderful show. I, I actually rewatched it recently. Um, the first series is hilarious. I, I've forgotten how funny, um, what great writing yeah. Jennifer Saunders uh, does. So it was good to, to reconnect with it, actually. 
and when you started out in as when you started out in as a PR, you said you felt like a dog's body at some times. What exactly were people making you do, and what was the is there an experience that you can tell us that was really bad? I don't know. It was nothing was really really bad. I I think that humility is really important in any role, actually. Um, and I think it taught me that you know everyone just uh, to understand the business. I think you need to start up from the from the bottom and to understand what, how it operates and what is the business of your business. I was very lucky to have people in my like early career that helped me understand that that the PR um, is is a commercial business and we you know people are its business. Time is our business um, and our products people. Um, so I did a lot of, of, of groundwork, I did a lot of faxing, so much faxing, drum and fax machines. I used to go to sleep hearing the noise, you know, a lot of faxing of content to, to journalists at the time. I did a lot of creating mood boards, lots of sticking newspaper clippings to, to um, big, you know, A2 A boards for the client presentations, um, a lot of research. We, these are the days where we used to dress up for pictures. I actually got like dressed up in different fancy dresses, some pictures. It was crazy, but it was always fun. Like I had a great time at work. Um, I sometimes feel like that joy, joy of working, especially with the pandemic and hybrid working, is potentially being lost to us. And I think that's a huge shame because that kind of community and kind of all hands on deck. You, you, you know, I'm still really good friends with half the people I met when I was in my twenties. I go traveling, you know, I'm, I'm lucky from that point of view because you're all in, you know, you're, you're living in London on not very much money. You, you you basically learn to eat super noodles in 75 different ways. And yeah, it, it, it's, it's just good. It's, it, it's, it, I think it, it shapes you. Um, but I was lucky. I had great mentors who were really passionate about their craft and who were very generous with passing on how they how they saw their their profession. Joanne Milroy is another lady that I really respect and she was at Weber Shanwick. She was my mentor there. Very, very smart woman and really helped me understand uh, more of the, the rigor behind how you put together a comms plan and also how it fits in with the bigger marketing model. Um, yeah, but yeah, endless hours of, of, of spray mounting uh, coverage onto, onto boards and into clippings books was, was uh, character building I think <laughs> they were the least I can imagine but how do you cope working remotely and how did you cope when you were not able at all to go into the office during the COVID pandemic um to be honest I always found commuting quite tiresome I'm not gonna lie I don't I don't enjoy it I don't know some people were able to sort of really monetize that downtime um I don't have kids and, uh, and I've never had small children. I'm a really great auntie, but I'm not a mum. So I never had that kind of impetus to try and like have that brain space, really. Um, so I found, I found the pandemic useful for helping organisations understand that people can be productive, even more so from home. Mm. And I think that trust has been built, which I think is really important. There was always some kind of feelings in some organizations that if you were at home and you were working from home or you were sick and working from home there wasn't going to they weren't going to get the output or the focus or the loyalty and i feel like that's one of the best things that's actually happened out of the pandemic is that people realize that you do mm. i think what i miss is the creative process and that kind of team connectivity 
Um, and I don't feel that that needs to be full time, five days a week, you know, 50 odd weeks of the year. But I feel there are some things that it's really good to to get stuck into together in a room. You, you can't, with the best will in the world, you, I, well, I find it challenging to brainstorm creative ideas stuck on a Zoom call. We've done it, don't get me wrong, we've done some great work. Um, some of the projects I worked on with the pandemic, like Neon, the, the Crown Prince's 2030 giga project, one of the biggest of its kind, we've come up with some fantastic ideas, but I feel like it would have happened maybe quicker um, and probably been a lot more fun. Mm -hmm. so, you know, cre creative should be enjoyable. It's hard, it's hard work. We're going to get it right and people disagree and all that kind of stuff. That's part of the process. Um, that, that for me, I miss, and that's what I... I I think, you know, I'm working towards getting back to with some people I work with at the moment. And earlier you mentioned mentors and how important they are, yeah. how important they were for you. Yeah. At this stage in your career, are you a mentor to anybody? Not formally. It's definitely something that I, I want to do. Um, I've got a lot going on in, at the minute, um, professionally and personally, I'm just doing some house renovations. I think next year i'll be looking to to work with young people i am really passionate about giving back i think it's really important um because there are that you can't always ask your colleagues some questions you can't always uh role place scenarios with 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 your friends or your family because they're not in the industry they haven't got any of that context and they don't necessarily understand um, and sometimes a little bit of distance is always helpful um, so uh, I am a part I have been part of a, a mentorship virtual program for a couple of years I've done a, a couple of one-off pieces I was a mentor when I was at Golin they have a great mentorship program there um, mentor to, to a great young lady called Lottie Longford who was one of the young communicators of the of the year award um, in Asia with PR week, um, but I'm not doing anything this year. I, can, uh, I just know that in terms of bandwidth and focus, I need to <laughs> need to clear a few things personally first, but I will get back to it next year for sure. I really enjoy it because again, I get lots of energy off talking to young, bright people. Um, they give you a sense of perspective. They also keep you plugged into what's, to what's going on, um, which I, I feel is important, you know, being culturally re relevant as I, edge ever closer to 50 is becoming harder and harder <laughs> to keep my finger on the pulse so the, it, the value exchange I get from from these conversations with people is huge as well as uh, hopefully they get from from, from me because you mentioned being culturally relevant yeah when you were in Asia you won the digital marketer of the year twice by CMO Asia yeah how did you stay in Asia and they obviously saw you as being very relevant I I really do, but I go all in, and I think that's why I loved working at Golling, because that is actually their motto. But I really do immerse myself in everything properly. Um, I kind of I, I I love Asia. I miss it terribly now. If my personal circumstances weren't that as they are at the minute, and my parents weren't you know in their mid to late seventies, I'd be back there in a shot. Um, I miss. I miss the energy of the place. I miss the people terribly and the food. <laughs> um, and I think it's just a quick, you just, like I did in the Middle East, I was very lucky. Eddie Matron was chairman of the Ogilvy, Mamak Ogilvy, when I started there. 
and he gave me a great piece of advice. And, uh, he, he goes, you're fresh off the boat. You think you know the Middle East, but you really, really don't. And there's no substitute for visiting, going and talking to people, not just in my agency, Emma, but people who live there. And so I did every year when I went to Ogilvy, when I was uh, heading up social at Ogilvy there, I went and did a tour of the offices and spoke to people, spoke to bloggers, spoke to customers, like spoke, just sat and absorbed the, the you know, customer behaviour, whether that was in a supermarket, in a mall, in a cafe or whatever. And I did the same. And I replicated that piece of advice from Eddie, God rest his soul, when I went to Asia as well. Um, the, it, and it's you have to have local friends and they have to take you to the places where they know and tell you their stories. And, you know, Hong Kong is an incredible city with wonderful people. And I will always have a very special place in my heart. But going to China was incredible for me. Uh, I mean, what a what a phenomenal culture, place, um, people. The the difference between the cities, you know, the the Shanghai, Beijing, Guangzhou, and Shenzhen. Shenzhen didn't exist ten years ago. <laughs> it's twenty two million people I think live there now. Um, these cities, the mega cities, are, are are just you have to you, incredible to to behold and to live and to work and to speak and work alongside people. The long, the young digital team and social team that I had the privilege of um, with in Huawei was was one of the best professional moments of my career because you got to see something from within and how uh, passionate the people that, that make that brand and have made that product are about what they do and how much they believe in their mission. Um, it was it was very awe-inspiring, very humbling. How would you compare working for Asian leaders compared to working with leaders in the UK? Wow, well, that's an excellent question. I think that my experience to date from the difference between Asia and and, and, uh, and the UK is that there is very much a sense of of um, reciprocity, I think, and passing on passing on a legacy. Um, that kind of succession type uh, approach I found quite strong over in China. Um, the fact that this is not just something that you hold on to as an employee or as a as a consultant for the 18 months, two years or whatever that you're there, you're, you're creating legacy that you pass on through generations. That kind of approach, I don't think really, I haven't experienced in the UK in the three years that I've been here back. Um, but then again, I haven't worked for a family business. I mean, I'm talking to a couple of people now who very much see what they're doing as a family business and very much more of it as a community building over here rather than that kind of legacy piece. I also feel like the speed at which um, uh, uh, Asia businesses operate is something to be to be witnessed in real life to, to, to really comprehend. They are incredibly focused and very, very fast. They're so fast to market. It's uh, phenomenal. Um, I, I think that, that that agility is, is, is again, something that sets Asia businesses uh, uh, apart. Look at what's happened to TikTok, right? Everyone go, TikTok, again, it's got over a billion users in how long? Seven years, is it? It took Mark Zuckerberg a lot longer than that to get to a billion users. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
you, you yourself have worked for brands such as Coca-Cola, Samson, yeah. Mercedes, British Airways, huge. Everybody knows those brands, everybody. And you've risen to the top doing what you do. Do you think it's easier now or harder now or just the same for a woman to reach such a high level in the industry? I think I think it's hard to reach a high level for anybody in our industry at the moment. It's changing so much that in order to stay to stay, sort of, you've got to be really um, flexible. You've got to be willing to be curious. You've got to up your skill set constantly, and you've got to be super committed. Like you cannot get half pregnant with this career. <laughs> I don't think. Great term. And, uh, um, in terms of, I've seen. This market, the UK and Europe, I've seen some phenomenal uh, CMOs come uh, come to fruition, some of whom I'm really lucky to call friends, actually. Um, But they've they've worked incredibly hard, like we all do. Um, I think this may may sound a bit controversial, but I feel like that emerging markets like Dubai and Asia, Singapore, and in and Shanghai, because there is a desire and there's such a um, a push for excellence and talent is so 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 thin on the ground that the opportunities in those emerging markets for anyone I think are bigger, and they are a lot much more uh, they 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 like to think of themselves as hiring for the role rather than just because you're a woman or just because you're ticking a box. That's fair. I can understand that. That's, I can understand that certainly. And can you give us an idea of if someone wanted to work for you, not in your position, obviously, what type of skills would they need to bring and what type of person would they have to be? I think hard skills you can learn and you can be taught. It's the soft emotional intelligence skills that I think are hard. If, if someone ha- it lacks empathy, that's a problem for me. Because not only is a lack of empathy an issue within a team, it's a problem because you don't understand the customer. You don't know what the customer's pain points are. You can't put yourself in the in the, in the customer's uh, shoes. And as exceptional marketing and communications professionals, we need to be able to do that. So empathy for me is the number one thing that uh, core skill um, that I want to see in any candidate. That passion and curiosity, you know, um, being curious about the world and trying to figure things out. You're not always going to get the right answer every day. And I'm still learning now. I'm still learning new skills now. Um, you know, I had a, I had somebody who's in my professional network uh, ask me some questions about TikTok and TikTok shop last week. I honestly had no idea TikTok had a, sh- had a shop. Um, they wanted some advice. And, you know, I spent a good few hours like, doing some research. Because I want to learn, I, I want to make sure that I, you know, constantly evolve as, as as a professional. And I think if you have those three things, empathy, curiosity and passion, you'll go far. The rest you can be taught, frankly, or you can taught yourself, teach yourself. I mean, YouTube is an incredible resource, as is TikTok now, as, as you know, there's loads of free academies out there. HubSpot is brilliant. Um, Google, Facebook, all of the big platforms do some really great training as well. So, yeah, that's my piece of advice is uh, focus on on those values, because this is 
this is a, a job that will put strains on you in terms of, you know, it's it, it's demanding. You you do work long hours, not as much, you know, but that's that's a choice thing because if you're passionate about something, it's not work. Yeah. <laughs> I understand what you mean and I love what you said about empathy. It seems to be a key word in this podcast because so many people I've spoken to have mentioned empathy being a really, really big thing. And surprisingly, some people are not able to engage with that kind of way of thinking. One of the reasons I think I've, I'd like to think I've been really successful, at, especially at agency level, um, after being in-house, is I know how, I know the pressures that CMOs and head of comms and our clients are in. I've been there. I've walked the walk. I've talked the talk. I've, 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 I've seen it from the opposite end of the telescope, which is vital, right? And you, you can start to have that kind of, I call it my spidey sense in that I know clients or customers are going to need this because I can feel that's happening. How can, how can we make people's lives better? That genuinely should be a question that we ask ourselves every day. Are we making our team's lives better? Are we making our board's lives better? Are we making our clients lives better or are we making our end customer customers lives better i think it's a really important question because if we're not doing one of those things for one of those audiences a day then we need to we need to regroup refresh and review frankly excellent completely right i really like that i'm going to quote you that's for sure <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time. You said you dropped many jewels and gems on us today, and I really appreciate that. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Damien. Thank you very much for persevering with me and keeping me on. Yeah. Okay, guys, I need you to like and leave a review of the podcast on iTunes. Anything you can do, share the podcast with friends, will help it grow in more ways than you can possibly imagine. Until next time. Thanks again for listening.